0: Good morning, Bethel Church. My name is Steven, and it is my great joy this morning to bring us into our second week of our BLESS series. Following the acronym BLESS, begin in prayer, listen, eat together, serve and share your story. This week we will unpack the first letter B, begin in prayer. If you brought a Bible, please turn to Matthew 6. If you'd like a Bible, please raise your hand and an usher will bring you a copy. If you don't own a Bible, please keep it. It's the world's number one bestseller and it's our gift to you. Matthew is about three quarters of the way through your Bible, near those familiar first names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. This morning, we're learning how to pray from the rabbi himself, Jesus. We'll unpack the five verses of the Lord's Prayer, relating each to one of our five fingers. Finally, we'll challenge ourselves to start each day with the Lord's Prayer and watch for God's answer throughout the day. Before we do, let's begin in prayer. Father God, we celebrate you. You are worthy of it all. We magnify your name. Lord, as we unpack these five powerful verses, Lord, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through the words that you've given me this morning. And Lord, even beyond anything that I might say, speak directly to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that anything that I say that is not of you quickly falls away and is forgotten. And anything that is sticks in the minds and hearts of those engaging today. Let us experience you. And let us be invited into deeper conversations with you, the living God. We pray this all in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. His eyes strained to see across the dark room, lit only by the starlight seeping through the thatched roof and wooden door. The sound of snoring and smell of body odor fill the air. He delicately steps around the sleeping bodies, slowly creaks the door open just wide enough to slip outside. Down the road where sick people would soon line up for healing. Past that hilltop where crowds would soon gather for teaching. And in to that little wadi where running water had carved a ravine into the rocks. A solitary place. A still place. There, before the miracles, before the sermons, before the sun even rises, he prays to his father. Jesus begins in prayer. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. His disciples, the teenage boys that they are, almost always oversleep their morning prayers. They miss out on what Jesus prays and how Jesus prays. So they ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Simple enough for a child's memorization, yet profound enough for a saint's meditation. The Lord's prayer isn't the only way to pray. Every conversation, every prayer can be a unique conversation with God. Yet when Jesus' disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray, he prays this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. This morning we'll unpack the five verses of the Lord's Prayer using our five fingers as a memory tool and we'll start with thumbs up. Give a thumbs up. The thumb reminds us of God's praise. When you give someone a thumbs up you're giving them praise. In a similar way, Jesus begins his prayer by giving God praise. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus calls God Father. Our fathers can be one of the best windows or biggest barriers to understanding God as Father. Father. I don't know if your earthly dad has given you a good or bad picture of God as father, but I can promise you this. God isn't the reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. Let me repeat that. God isn't the reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. In all of the Old Testament, God is called Father only 15 times. And not once are God's people told to pray to God as Father. Yet in the four Gospels alone, God is called Father 165 times. When Jesus steps onto the scene, this title of God as Father floods onto the scene with him. Jesus is inviting everyone to be children of God. First John three one, see what great love the Father lavishes on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Yet there's a problem. Matthew six nine continues, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This word hallowed means holy and just. Isaiah five sixteen. The Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice. And the holy God will be called holy by his righteous acts. God is holy and just. Heaven is holy and just. This isn't fluff. This is terrifying. Here's why. Raise your hand if when you die, you want to spend eternity with God in heaven. Yes? Do you think in heaven people will gossip about you, lie about you, and hurt you. No? Why not? Because heaven is holy. In heaven, there will be no more sin and no more sinners to hurt you. Now, here's the problem. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned. If you've ever gossiped, ever lied, ever hurt anyone... I know I have, I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is holy, we are not. Our sins separate us from a holy God. That's bad news. But Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. God didn't just throw us a lifesaver. He jumped into the stormy seas of earth and became our lifesaver. He lived the holy life we never could. He died for our sins upon the cross He rose again in victory as we just celebrated Easter Sunday. And he sent his Holy Spirit to make us holy as he is holy. He did this, John 1.12 says, so that to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. It's not enough to know God is Father. We're called to know God as Father. Who here has heard of John Wesley, one of the sharpest minds of 18th century England? He graduated with honors from Oxford, became an ordained minister, and sailed halfway around the world as a missionary to Native Americans. Yet, while there, he realized he didn't actually know the God he preached. Not personally. After two years, Wesley sailed back to England, opened his journal, and wrote this. I, who went to America to convert others, was never myself converted to God. I had the faith of a servant, not that of a son. Wesley gave his life to Jesus and became a child of God. He became filled with the Holy Spirit and went on to lead the first great awakening in the Church of England. Some of you here today, you've read the verses. You've sung the songs. You know God is Father. But do you know God as Father? Do you know him personally? If you're not sure, you can become a child of God right now. You can start a personal relationship with your Father in heaven. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can pray to him right now. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. He will. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thumbs up to that. Praise God. When we begin with prayer, we begin with praise. The thumb reminds us of God's praise. The index reminds us of God's plan. The index finger gets its name from the Latin indico, meaning to point. That's why it's called the pointer finger. In the second verse of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus points out God's plan, reflecting heaven on earth. Matthew 6.10 Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's plan? kingdom. The word kingdom in Greek is basileia. It literally means reign. It's not about geography, it's about sovereignty. God's kingdom is where God reigns. Luke 17, 20 and 21, the kingdom of God is not something that can be seen, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst when you grow in your relationship with God, when you build up another believer in your small group, when you share your faith with a friend, you are building God's kingdom. During a spring break in college, I took a mission trip to Mexico. In the evenings, we performed music, a local pastor preached, and we handed out gospel tracts. We prayed with a few people to trust Jesus as Savior. And collected contact cards for local church follow up. On the last day during my morning prayers, I heard God ask me, How many? What do you mean, Lord? How many? I thought for a moment and prayed God, can 12 people trust you as Savior tonight? We'd never had a response that big, but God is big, so I prayed big. That night, a huge crowd showed up. A translator and I started talking with people afterward, and person after person prayed to trust Jesus. I collected their contact cards in my back pocket. When I got back on the bus, I started counting. one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 contact cards. I should have prayed for 100. <laughs> I share this story not to boast about myself, but to boast about what God can do when we pray big and act accordingly. You see, when we pray, Your kingdom come we're committing to build it. When we pray, your will be done, we're committing to do it. And we don't do this alone. In Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus gives us an amazing promise. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. Anyone who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hold up. Ask in what? will be given to you, the Holy Spirit. We ask for help. He gives us the helper. We ask for healing. He gives us the healer. We ask for comfort. He gives us the comforter. We ask for the kingdom. He gives us the king. That's the power of prayer. David Platt writes, you don't go and ask for 20 bucks. You ask, can I have everything? Doesn't that seem bold? You know, I know you've got a universe to run, but I need some comfort down here in my life. So could you just send your whole presence to come down and live in me? That'd be great. That's what Jesus is promising here. How amazing would our lives be if everyone did God's will and built God's kingdom here on earth? So, what gets in the way? Our kingdom. Our will. Have you noticed that when people pray the Lord's Prayer, they often emphasize the words kingdom and will? They pray something like this Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we emphasize different words, we notice different things. What if instead of emphasizing kingdom and will, we emphasized your? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my kingdom, but yours. Not my will, but yours. Jesus continues on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants heaven reflected on earth. Where on earth? It starts with us, it starts with his church. When we build God's kingdom and do God's will here as in heaven, our friends will notice, our families will notice, our coworkers will notice. And that's God's plan that our lives on earth points to the God of heaven. When we begin in prayer, we begin with God's plan. The index reminds us of God's plan. The middle reminds us of God's provision. The middle finger is the longest finger. When we reach out for help, it reaches the furthest. In the third verse of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reaches for God's provision. Matthew 6, 11. Let's read this together. Give us today our daily bread. What is our daily bread? In Exodus, daily bread literally rained down from heaven. Exodus sixteen four. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In Proverbs, daily bread simply meant having enough for each day. Proverbs 30, eight and nine. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Yet in the Gospels, daily bread means more than just physical food. Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If we don't eat, we starve physically. The same is true in our relationship with God. If we don't pray, we starve spiritually. Our daily bread is prayer. Who here has ever gone grocery shopping on an empty stomach? Bad idea, right? A few are bold enough to confess. I don't shop for groceries on an empty stomach, or I'll reach for empty calories. In the same way, I don't start my day on an empty spirit, or I'll reach for empty pleasures. This is my prayer cross. I start most mornings by gripping it and praying the Lord's Prayer. It's my spiritual breakfast. I take a short prayer walk most afternoons. It's my spiritual lunch. I read before bed most evenings. It's my spiritual dinner. God wants to nourish us both physically and spiritually. All we have to do is ask. And Philippians 4 19 says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When we begin in prayer, we begin with God's plan. The middle reminds us of God's provision. The ring reminds us of God's pardon. The ring finger gets its name from the wedding ring some people wear on this finger. My wife knows me better than anyone, and she knows my sin better than anyone. I need to ask forgiveness from her often, and I need to forgive her often. In the fourth verse of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray for God's pardon, his forgiveness. Matthew 6, 12. Let's read this together. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The Bible calls our sin debt. We owe God a debt we could never repay. That's why on the cross, Jesus paid our debt for us. Jesus' final words on the cross, it is finished, are one word in Greek, to tell us thy. First century bankers would write this word on loan documents when they were paid in full. Jesus paid our debt in full. So why do we still pray, forgive us our debts? When Sarah and I married, we vowed to forgive each other endlessly. Does that mean that I never have to ask forgiveness again since I know I already have it? No. Of course not. Why do I ask forgiveness? Because I'm sorry I sinned against her. In the same way, we ask God's forgiveness because we're sorry we sinned against God. Because we love God. And because God loves us. Jesus doesn't stop at forgive us our debts. He also prays for us to forgive our debtors. Jesus tells this powerful story in Matthew 18. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, $10 billion today, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, a thousand bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything. Then the master called that servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? His master handed him over to the jailers until he should pay back all he owed. And so Matthew 18, 35 concludes, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. If God doesn't hold your sin against you, what gives you the right to hold someone else's sins against them? You owe God 10 billion dollars. They owe you a thousand bucks. Forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have no boundaries. It means you have no bitterness. Think for a moment about who you need to forgive. Bitterness remembers detail. Forgiveness, let's go. Pray right now God, I forgive him. God, I forgive her. Ephesians 4 32. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. When we begin in prayer, we begin with God's pardon. The ring reminds us of God's pardon. The pinky reminds us of God's protection. The pinky gets its name from the Dutch word pink, meaning small. It's the smallest and weakest finger. And it reminds us that we're weak, against temptation. That's why in the last verse of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays for God's protection. Matthew 6, 13, let's read this together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God doesn't tempt us to sin. James 1:13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. This prayer doesn't mean, God, stop leading me into temptation. You're the worst. No. It means, God, help me stay away from temptation because I'm the worst at resisting. If you're tempted to drink too much, maybe you should abstain from alcohol. If you're tempted, To gossip on social media, maybe you should fast from it. If you're tempted to lust on the internet, maybe you should install a filter. What are your temptations? How can you avoid them? Jesus prays, lead us not into temptation. He doesn't just pray, lead us not into sin. Because it's easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. We can't always anticipate every temptation ahead of us. But God can. That's why we pray, lead us not into temptation. God knows the future. And he can lead us away from temptation before we ever have to resist it. And so Jesus continues. Deliver us from the evil one. Who is the evil one? As Christians, we have an enemy. He's known by various names, the serpent, the devil, Satan. He isn't equal to God, not even close. Just a fallen angel, separated from God by sin. Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Since he's fallen from heaven, he doesn't want us to experience heaven. He doesn't want us to build God's kingdom and do God's will. Misery loves company. But 2 Thessalonians 3.3, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We may be in a spiritual battle, but Jesus has already won the war. When we begin in prayer, we begin with God's protection. The pinky, the weakest finger reminds us we need God's protection. When we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're proclaiming God's praise for our adoption into God's family through Jesus. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we're pointing out God's plan that we might reflect heaven on earth. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're pointing out God's plan that we might reflect heaven on earth. We pray, and I think the slides here have some extra material, so we'll leave those down for now, thanks. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, We're reaching for God's provision, physically and spiritually. When we pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We're asking God's pardon for sin. And we're pardoning those who have sinned against us. And when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one we're getting God's protection from temptation and strength for our weakness. God gives us all this in a matter of seconds. That's the power of prayer. The power isn't in the words, the power is in the relationship. In prayer, the God of the universe stoops low and gives us his undivided attention. In prayer, God gives us Himself. And so, in prayer, give yourself to God. I still remember that moment as a teenager here at Bethel Church when I gave myself to God. When I went from knowing God is Father to knowing God as father. I told God wherever he called, I'd go. Eight years ago, to my surprise, he called me back here as a pastor of Bethel Church. Since then, Sarah and I have seen hundreds of teenagers trust Jesus as their savior. We've baptized hundreds here on this stage We've had former students walk down these aisles in marriage. I told God, wherever he called, I'd go. Last December, a search firm called, asking me to prayerfully consider being the executive pastor of youth ministry at Hope Church, overseeing cradle to college for their three campuses this larger role would shepherd over 1,000 students. After several months of prayer, Sarah and I discerned and became convinced that God was calling us to hope. Just as Sarah and I began in prayer at Bethel, so we're beginning in prayer as God leads us into our next calling. Lord willing, this June. Sarah and I love you and thank you for the time we've shared together here at Bethel. Lord willing, we'll see many of you around town and all of you in eternity. Let me leave you with one thing. Start each day with the Lord's prayer. Watch for how God answers your prayer throughout the day let's pray Father God we celebrate you we magnify your name and give you praise for you are our father in heaven hallowed be your name holy 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 are you Lord God almighty Lord May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, here in this church as it is in heaven, here in our lives as it is in heaven, here in our city as it is in heaven. Lord, we want to do your will. We want to build your kingdom. Lord, we confess that we've let our will and our kingdom come first. Lord, as we reach for your provision, give us today our daily bread, physically and spiritually. Nourish us, Lord, for your work. Forgive us our debts, Lord. Our sins are many as we also forgive our debtors. Bitterness remembers detail, forgiveness lets go, help us to let go. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Strengthen us in our weakness. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever, and all God's people said, amen.